Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. Well, it's December, and we are starting a new series called Advent, Um, and the title of it is God With Us. And so each of the next four weeks, I'm going to talk about a different word. Uh, The first word is hope. And so you've probably figured out if you look at the different uh, boards up here that there's uh, four different words, and I'll let you guess what the words are uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks. But this week is hope. And uh, whenever I think of the word hope, I can't help but think of a story about two men who were fishermen, and they're not in the Bible. Uh, One's name is John Aldridge, and the other is Anthony Sosinski. And um, one July night, they left their port near um, Long Island, New York, and they were in their boat named the Anna Mary. And it was about 9 o'clock when they took off, and um, Anthony was asleep in the uh, bottom of the the boat uh, where he could. And John was going to steer things and uh, work on a little bit of, and so, uh, I mean, this was normally what they did. And um, so John, he's one of those guys that never stops moving. And uh, when he uh, did this, um, he didn't wake Anthony up. And so he started working on the boat, and he started uh, moving the chest around that held the ice that they were, were using. Matter of fact, there's a book that uh, they wrote together called A Speck in the Sea. And so uh, the guy on the right is John Aldridge. The guy on the left that looks like a surfer uh, is Anthony Sosinski. And uh, so here they are. They're out on their way. Uh, about 40 miles out is where their um, lobster traps were. And so... Anthony's asleep in the bottom of the boat. You, you guys know about a guy in the Bible that went to sleep in the bottom of the boat, right? And uh, there was no storm, and John's out there working on the boat, and, and they've, they've got the boat on autopilot, and it's going to take them out to their farthest trap, and then they just work their way back. And um, he was trying to move two different, John that was, was trying to move two different coolers that weighed over 200 pounds, and, and so when he started pulling on one, the handle broke. And uh, when it broke, he started tumbling, and the, the way that these um, lobster boats are designed is there is no back to it. It just literally, you know, goes into the water. And so John tumbled into the water, and the boat kept on going. And so when that happened, it, again, it's um, probably midnight, uh, it's dark, uh, he's yelling and screaming, trying to wake up John, but I'm sorry, to wake up Anthony, but Anthony doesn't hear Anthony doesn't wake up for four more hours. And so uh, John, in his testimony, he said that uh, he thought that this was how he was going to die, floating in the water, because not long after he was in the water, uh, he started being uh, circled by sharks. Of course, that's the way it's going to work out, right? But the sharks didn't bug him. And uh, so he was having a hard time staying afloat because he had all his fishing gear on. And one of the first things that fishermen do is they kick off their boots 
because the boots hold water and kind of pull them down. But what he noticed was he was having a hard time stay afloat because his feet were floating higher than his chest because the, the, the boots that he had uh, were retaining air. So he uh, worked his boots off and got air up in them and then actually put his boots underneath his armpits. And he told himself that maybe, just maybe, these will help me float. And sure enough, they did. Well, now he's treading water with uh, these ugly green boots underneath his armpits. And then all of a sudden, um, well, not all of a sudden, he's wondering what, what, what next. He, there's nobody around. It's at a time of uh, day, midnight, when nobody is on the water except other fishermen. And, and so he's starting to have a little bit of despair. And so he told himself, you know what, if I could just make it until the sunrise. And so that's what he can. I'm just going to stay floating until sunrise, and then we'll worry about it then. Well, sunrise came, and no boats came. He's still floating. He's still treading water. And he realized that uh, he had to find something else to keep his focus on. And so he decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to find one of the fishing buoys, and I'm going to get to one because they hold more air than his boots do. And um, so he, start, the, the, he said there were about five-foot waves. And so each time the wave would crest, he looked, and he, and he found a buoy off in the distance. And so he just started treading water towards that buoy. Eventually he got there, uh, had a knife on him, was able to cut the, the rope on the buoy, and um, tied that to one of his hands. Well, then he told himself, I just need to find one more buoy. Because this whole time, while he's got this buoy, he can see the airplanes and helicopters that were flying looking for him. And they were nowhere close to where he was at. And so he started, to, you know, as the, the waves would go up, he would look for another buoy. He found one, and, and he started dog paddling to that. Well, now he's got two buoys, one under each arm tied to it. And he literally found himself a quarter of a mile from his boat to Anna Mary. And so he's yelling and he's screaming and they can't hear him. He sees them with the binoculars and they're looking every direction but his. Despair comes back over him. And finally the boat moves on and the current takes him another direction and he no longer sees the boat. And then all of a sudden he sees a helicopter coming by. And so he starts splashing around in the water. And what he didn't know was inside that helicopter, there were two pilots. And one of them saw him. And as soon as he saw him, they said, Mark, Mark, Mark. And what they do is they mark the GPS coordinates. And then the plane circles back around because it's moving pretty fast. The good news is that the, they got the rescue swimmer down there, brought him up into his, um, the helicopter radioed to the Anna Mary that, hey, we've got your, uh, your swimmer. He's with us. We'll meet you back on shore. If you met John Aldridge's dad today, you'll find out that he's got a tattoo and it has two green boots and some GPS coordinates. And the GPS coordinates were the coordinates where they found his son. You know, to John Aldridge, hope was maybe, just maybe, these boots would help me float. I don't know where you're at this morning, but... For you, maybe hope looks like the first flashlight that you find after the power goes out. Maybe hope looks like the first day that you can finally breathe after you've had a cold for weeks. 
Maybe hope looks like the percentage that the doctor gave you for winning over cancer that's in your body right now. Maybe hope for you is the first ray of sunshine after a long night where you couldn't sleep, where you tossed and turned. Maybe hope looks like the first soldier on the beach, or maybe it could be as simple as after you rush to the ER to hear these words, he's going to be okay. You know, for each of us, hope is a little different. And today, hope is what we celebrate this first week of Advent. And so when you see the word Advent, let me just share with you what it means. It's very simple. It means coming or arrival. Now, what's interesting is when it says coming, it's like it's already happened. And when they talked about Advent, this was years before Jesus came on the scene. It was as if he had already been done. Today, we look back in time and we think of Advent not only about the fact that Jesus came 2,000 years ago, but that he's coming again. And so we are going to use the next four weeks of Advent as we look at these different words to prepare our hearts to focus on a story much bigger than our own story. Because, you know, it's easy, especially this time of year, to get lost in our own stories. To get lost in what gift am I getting? Maybe you're a parent or a grandparent to get lost in am I able to get the gifts that are going to bring a joy to my children? But the problem is that when we think about hope, a lot of times we want microwave hope. You know, you pop it in there, 30 seconds, it heats it up, and there's the answer from God. Or maybe it's not microwave hope for you, you want Amazon Prime hope. You know, that gets delivered the next day. I don't know if you realize this, but have you noticed that there's something on the box of every Amazon Prime delivery? It's a smile. Because they are convinced that every time somebody walks home and they see the the box from Amazon that they're going to smile. Well, let me just share with you the reality that hope's not like that. You see, when it comes to hope, it's a long journey. Matter of fact, if you... Uh, look and you think about the hope that the Bible talked about. It started back in Genesis chapter 3. That was 6,000 years ago when Adam and Eve encountered Satan in the form of a serpent and they disobeyed God. And since that time, Satan has been doing everything he can to turn this world upside down, to turn your life upside down, to change the way that you approach this time of year or any other month. And for the last 6,000 years, there's been a, a refrain that you hear. Matter of fact, you read it many times in the Psalms, and it says, How long, O oh God, will you wait? You see, the hope that God provides to us sometimes isn't instant. It's not tomorrow. It's not next month. It's years away. If you... Uh, the verse that come up in Isaiah 7, 14, and it says this. And here's what's interesting about Isaiah. Isaiah wrote these words 700 years before Jesus was born. And here's the words he wrote. And he said, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Remember I told you those pilots were flying around. They saw the, um, the downed swimmer. And they said, Mark, Mark, Mark. And they they took the GPS coordinates and now they circle back around to to check it out. Well, when Isaiah wrote these words, 
It was the same way. When you see this happen, you need to yell, Mark, Mark, Mark. And you need to circle back and find out exactly what's happening here. Because he says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Now, anybody reading those words when Isaiah wrote them saw grandeur. They saw Jesus. They saw the Messiah coming in glory, not behind a hotel in the barn. They saw Jesus coming in a way that um, no one ever did. And they didn't realize that when he was born of a virgin, most people wouldn't even know he had arrived. Matter of fact, if you turn two chapters over in Isaiah to chapter 9, let me read a couple more verses to you. In verse 6 it says this, one of probably the most quoted verse this time of year. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called what? Four different names, listen to this. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. How many in here could use one of those guys right now? Who could use a wonderful counselor? You're going through a a tough time. You need some advice. And boy, wouldn't it be nice for the wonderful counselor to reach down and speak words into your life. Or maybe you're at a point in your life where it seems like the wheels have fallen off and you don't know up from down and you need to see the mighty God that we sing about come alive in your life. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, you need to see the everlasting father. You've lost somebody. It's this time of year where you remember about a father, a mother, a daughter, a son that you missed, that you lost years ago. And it makes Christmas hard. And you need to know that there's an everlasting father. And that not only does he have them in his hands, but he has you in his hands. Or maybe you just need the Prince of Peace. Who went Black Friday shopping? Yeah, the, the, the Prince of Peace was needed in O'Fallon, I can tell you that. Through Fairview Heights, on the highways. I'll bet this time of year, there's a lot of folks that could use the Prince of Peace in their life. Well, Isaiah 9, 6 says he's here. Matter of fact, if you would turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 tells the story of two people, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Let me just read a couple of verses starting in verse 5. Luke chapter 1, and I'm going to start reading in verse 5. It said, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and had a, he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron. And her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. And both were advanced in their age. See, Zechariah, he's living at a time, he's the, one of the priests at a time when the nation of Israel had not heard from God, had not heard from God in 400 years. The words I read to you in Isaiah, that was 700 years ago. 
And for 300 years, there were prophets that were on the scene that were, were given words by God, and they put them down, and they gave them to the people. But here, Zechariah is, and for 300, I'm sorry, for 400 years, nobody has heard from God. And yet, he was still faithfully doing his duty. L let me give you a, a, an example of 400 years ago. 400 years ago, the pilgrims were on the Mayflower. That's a long time. And for 400 years, nobody had heard from the Creator, from God, from Yahweh. And on top of that, Zechariah, although he was a righteous man, although he was faithful, the Bible tells us that he and Elizabeth were without child. You know, that was something that meant a big deal back then. Matter of fact, it's something that means a big deal today. There's something that God has put into the heart of every human, and that is life. If you've ever encountered somebody on their deathbed, they're ready to go, but they're not ready to go. Why? Because the Creator put life into their heart. And so here, Zechariah and Elizabeth had the desire to have children, and yet they couldn't because they were too old. Most people would tell you that they had an asterisk on them. You know, Zechariah and Elizabeth are good people, but God just hasn't blessed them. I don't know what they did. And then all of a sudden, while Zechariah is inside the temple, the angel of the Lord appears to him. He'll jump over to verse 18. Let me read you this encounter. And it says, Luke chapter 1 and verse 18. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. You know what he was saying? This is Hebrew for impossible. It's impossible. I know you just, the angel just told him that he was, he and Elizabeth were going to give birth to John the Baptist. And Zechariah said, that's impossible. It can't happen. You see, the long journey of hope convinces you that it's impossible. But here's the words that I would challenge you is, do not abandon hope. You see, the very thing that uh, Zechariah was afraid of impossible, God specializes in. And so I don't know what your deepest pain is. I don't know what the hopeless circumstance you may find yourself in. But the reality is this. The message you need to hear today is do not abandon hope. Do not give up on God because God has not given up on you. No matter what's going on in your life personally, do not give up on God. God's not done with you yet. Check if you got a pulse. He's ready to do something. He has a purpose for your life. He has a calling. He's gifted you. The question is, are we living out the gifting that God has brought to us? Maybe it's with your family. Maybe there's somebody that has hurt you. Maybe it's children or grandchildren. Maybe it's a husband or a wife. Maybe it's a brother or a sister, mom or a dad. And the reality is this, that it's not over. I've sat across the table from many people who hadn't talked to that relative for 5, 10, 
15 years. And not a day goes by that they don't want to restore that relationship. But yet they don't. You see, they give up on God. They gave up on hope. They abandon it. They think it's impossible. They're like Zechariah. I'm too old for this. This ain't going to happen. And the reality is this. It will happen. Let's continue to read in verse 19. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the reality is this, folks, that God's words will be fulfilled in your life in his time. I know we want the microwave answer. I know we want Amazon Prime answer. I know we'll take it next month answer. But the reality is this, I don't know when it's to be fulfilled. But God says, don't stop. Don't give up. Don't abandon hope. Now the question that we have is how, how do we find that tiny spark of hope? How do we find that just maybe that John Aldridge found with his boots when you are on the verge of giving up? And you know, this is a time of year where many people give up. They give up on life. They give up on relationship. They give up on their job. They give up on their friends. They give up on trying. And so I want to share with you three very quick ways for each of us to make sure that that hope doesn't become elusive in our life. And the first one is this, that we need to have a hope that is based on God's word. If you turn to Psalm chapter 139, Psalm 139, let me read some words to you. Psalm 139, and I'm going to read in verse... 7 through 12, and it says this, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, kind of like what John Aldridge was doing, you're there. Even there your hand shall lead me. Your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for the darkness is as light with you. So when it comes to having hope based on God's word, you need to remember this, that nothing can take away God's promise. Nothing. There's nothing you can do. There's no place you can go that God's not there. There's no hole that you can dig so deep that God can't help you get out of that hole. There's no tragedy that has come across your path that you've had to live out that God cannot bring victory through that to you. And I'm here to tell you that God is not done with you yet. God's just getting started. Maybe his greatest and final work in you is just around the corner. The second thing is that hope based on God's character. There's a story in Mark chapter 5 I want to read to you. Mark chapter 5, and I'm going to read verses, starting in verse 25. It said this, And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. See, her hope wasn't microwave hope. Her hope wasn't 
Amazon Prime hope. Her hope was 12 years in the waiting. And who had suffered much under many physicians. And had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garment, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. You know, many times in our lives, we are just like this lady where we are 12 years into it. We have tried everything. We have done, I mean, we've used every credit card to get us out of the financial problems. We've used every person to help us get uh, on stable ground. But at the end of 12 years, we find out that we spend everything, we owe a lot more, and we're worse off than we were when we started. But I'm here to tell you that you need to have hope that's based on God's character. Here was a lady who had never met Jesus, but you know what? She had a spark of hope. And that spark of hope was just maybe if I could get to Jesus and if I could touch his garment, I'll be healed. She does that. She experiences that. And what's interesting is, if you read the next verse, verse 30, And Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power had gone out from him, immediately turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? What would you do if you were this lady? Because this isn't something that she was probably supposed to do. This is something that culture would tell her, you know, you had no business doing what you did. Your problems are your problems. And here the teacher, the rabbi, the one who's been going and healing people, Asked, who touched my garment? The reality is this, that some of you here today need to get close enough to Jesus to touch him. You've got problems in your life that are mountain-sized. You've got problems in your life that are years in the making. You've got problems in your life that are decades. And you need to get close enough to Jesus to touch him. I'll give you an opportunity in a little bit. We'll have an invitation. And I challenge you, if you are at a place where you are close to losing hope, today is the day to get the hope back. Today is the day to find out that there is a God in heaven that loves you, that cares for you, that wants the best for you. Matter of fact, when uh, I have the invitation, I'm going to invite two people to come forward. Number one is, if you are here in our church, there's many of you, that have been attending and God has put it on your heart to join our fellowship, I would encourage you to come this morning. Matter of fact, while I'm preaching, I would take out one of the cards that's in front of you and pull it out and fill it out. And when you come up, listen, there's three ways that we accept people in the membership in our church. Number one is by a letter from another church. Number two is by a statement of faith. If you're not a member of another church, you can come forward and, and by your confession that you have asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior. And if you've been baptized... Or, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior, today is the day. The water's still in the baptistry. We'll send you home wet. (laughs) Not only do we need to have a hope that's based on God's character, but the third type of hope we need is the hope that's based on God's faithfulness. Everyone, turn in your Bibles to Lamentations. This is probably a book that you read all the time. 
Lamentations chapter 3. And I'm going to read a couple verses to you. And I'm going to start in verse 21. And 21 says this. But this I call to mind and therefore have hope. What are we talking about today? Hope. And so here, Jeremiah is saying, this I call to mind and therefore have hope. And then in verse 22, he says this. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. But he doesn't stop there. In the next verse, he says, his mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. In verse 25, he says it this way. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. To the soul who seeks him. And make no mistake about it today, if you have been waiting on the Lord and you gave up on God, He's just waiting for you to turn around. He's ready for you. In verse 31 it says this, For the Lord will not cast off forever. Who said this? Was it Tony Robbins? The guy who speaks all kinds of great words and helps you feel better? No, it wasn't. Was it Martin Seligman, the father of positive psychology? No. The person speaking these words that wrote these in Lamentations, his name is Jeremiah. And Jeremiah went by a, they had a name for him. He was called the weeping prophet. Now you can just imagine this was an uplifting book named Lamentations. And so what do we find in this book of Lamentations? We find great words of hope. Why? Because the Lord will not cast off forever. And so when you find that your hope is based in God's faithfulness, you will find that gratitude breeds hope. You need more hope, you need to be more grateful. What are you supposed to be grateful for? Well, you need to recognize what God has already done in your past. When you do that, it will strengthen your hope for future events. Did you hear what I just said? Recognizing what God has already done for you in the past will give you strength, will increase your hope for that next future event that you need. I'm telling you folks that God will meet you right where you're at and he will answer the prayers that you need. But some of you know better. You've experienced God, you've seen him do some things in your life and you know better and yet you want him to do it again and he says, no, I've already done it. You know Now it's your turn to take a step of faith. And you need to live off of those things that were done in the past. Not only because you are going to have your hope increased for the future, but because other people's hope is going to be increased. I don't know if you've ever met my friend, but Joshua Zachariah Cross. No pressure, right? Joshua Zachariah Cross got up on the stage and he shared his testimony on Friend Day. Not only did Joshua need to hear and be able to share those words for him and for the hope that he goes forward with, but there were many sitting in here because dozens of you came up to me and shared with me that you needed to hear that. And just when you think that that it's just all about you, God needs you to share your story so that somebody else can hear those words. Somebody else who is at the bottom of life's barrel where they're ready to raise the white flag where they're ready to give in where they're ready to give up they need to hear your story 
they need to hear that God did it in your life. Because for some strange reason, when we read God's word, we think, well, I'm not Zechariah. And so, you know, God's, uh, we're not barren. He's not going to bring kids. He's certainly not bringing John the Baptist back through my wife. And so we talk ourselves out of seeing God work in our lives. And yet when you sit beside somebody in the worship center and you hear how God has been there with them at the darkest time of their life, you realize that he can be there for you too. See, that's the hope that's based on God's faithfulness. This coming year, I'm going to be sharing something with you, and you're going to, probably going to see this so often that you're going to get tired of it. And it's called Seeing 2020, Making a Difference Now. Now, I don't know if you can read what it says inside those little uh, eyeglasses, but if you can, I'll read it to you. And it says, love God, love people, make disciples. See, that's our mission here at Temple Baptist Church. We're going to love God. That's what we're doing today. We're going to love people. We're going to take, whoever comes through our doors that's hurting, we're going to love them. And we're going to make disciples. Stick around me long enough. What's a disciple? A disciple is one who's serving the Lord. That's what we're going to do. And how do we do that? Well, that's those three last words. Real, love, now. And the word I want to leave with you today is now. See, I don't want to wait until 2020 to start living 2020. I want to do it today. Matter of fact, I've been doing this for the last eight weeks. The staff have seen me play around with this logo, have seen me talk about this word now. When should we start? Now. We talked about we wanted to take our missions in our church and we want to expand it. But, you know, it's easy to say we'll start that next quarter. We said, no, we're going to start it now. And before two weeks was over with, we had transformed a widow's kitchen. Before three weeks was over, we'd put 10 beds into homes across the Centralia area. Why? Because we decided that we were going to do it now. We were going to wait until next month, next week, next year. We're going to do it now. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.